Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. One of the men who's had an incredible influence on my life on this whole idea, because his life has, has uh, demonstrated this, is Tom Egham, uh, our guest this morning. He's the president of Hope for Kids International, and we're so glad to have him with us. And um, we're going to invite our students to stay in the service with us this morning, uh, instead of going to your classes, because... I think you're going to love what Tom has to share with us. And uh, many of our students actually last summer went with us on a short-term mission trip to Uganda with Hope for Kids. So would you please give a real warm Northgate welcome to Tom Egham with Hope for Kids. Yes, thank you. Good morning. Wow. It must be Thanksgiving weekend. I'm in one of these days, I'm going to get accustomed to this. <laughs> this has been a special year for Hope for Kids International. As Larry mentioned, uh, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. Uh, Forty years ago, in my home area of north central Iowa, uh, some business leaders uh, uh, put together a nonprofit uh, that still exists today. We've changed the name twice, but that's who Hope for Kids International has become. Uh, who it started out being, I should say. And uh, it's been fun this year to go back to some of those areas and celebrate with some of the people who have been with us for the 40 years and, and been a partner. And uh, I've been looking forward to this weekend because Northgate is a big partner of ours. There's so many of you who do our Walk for Water events here. There's many of you that sponsor children, for which we are very grateful, and I'll tell you a couple stories about that. And a number of you have done wells with us and, and uh, have traveled with us, and so this is just fun for me to be here and say thank you. And I want to do something. It's kind of a token of our appreciation. Ken, I know this is our third service, but it's still a surprise to you, I'm sure. But, uh, and I'm going to ask Larry to come up this time, too, because uh, Ken and I have known each other for many, many years back in the city uh, when I used to speak at the church he was a part of when he was a college student. And I knew Betty when she was just a little small girl. And, uh, uh, but anyway, we've been friends for many, many years. And Larry and I, become friends over the last few years, and, and uh, he has really been a force with this, of recruiting people to almost, uh, you know, forcing you to sponsor a child, I like that style, <laughs> and uh, leading the team to Uganda and getting all wound up and fired up about Walk for Water and stuff, so I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, this is a plaque, it's a token of our appreciation, and uh, it says, Hope for Kids International, present Northgate Christian Fellowship in grateful appreciation for your partnership and commitment. And one of the verses we've been using over the years, it says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And that's found in Matthew 25, 40. And it says, celebrating 40 years of hope, December 1st, 2013. So this is uh, uh, on our, as a gift from us, as a generous gift, because solid gold, uh, 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 to, to you in, on, you know, for, for everyone, okay? So thank you, Northgate. And also, we, we, we've not done this yet, uh, but uh, uh, 40 Years of Hope, it's our official uh, uh, Hope for Kids uh, International uh, 40th anniversary thing, and I just found it in the suitcase after last service. So Larry, that's for you, and this is for you. So thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks. 
Oops. Yes. Okay. I am so glad to see uh, the youth here today because uh, even though I'm an old guy at 62, I still have the gift of immaturity. And uh, I, I just have this love in my heart for, for young people and the potential you have. And, and I'm just glad you're here today. And I hope that something I say will really inspire you. Okay? All right. Uh, uh, I know you're used to criers up here uh, speaking, <laughs> but I've done really well this weekend. It's really an emotional thing for me to be here um, and, and speak to you on this emotional subject anyway. But then to be able to tie in with what Ken has been talking about the last weeks of, of generous giving and living and, and uh, enough is enough and, and, and all of those topics that you've been being challenged about, I'm sure the Spirit of God has been speaking your heart about things. And I want to uh, just kind of wrap that up by talking about the reason that I'm involved in the ministry I'm involved in today uh, is because of the inspiration of my parents. And uh, uh, I uh, uh, would not be involved in what I'm involved if, if they wouldn't have left a legacy of caring for people. And I, I'm very, uh, uh, it's a special thing to know that uh, out of their life, they became uh, givers. Now, uh, some of you don't know who Hope for Kids is, so let me pause there and say we have a table out back. Uh, we sponsor kids, we drill wells, we build churches, we do pastor's conferences. We have a program called uh, Mission for Character that we teach teenagers on biblical principles out of the book of Proverbs, all kinds of stuff. One of my team members is here, uh, Ivana. Where's Ivana? Over here, hiding over here. Ivana uh, is on our, on our staff. We're based in Phoenix, but... Uh, she left us, but still works for us up in Lincoln, California. You know where that is? Uh, up by Sacramento. It's a big town up there by Auburn. Am I right in that? Ray, her husband, uh, great partner with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. She'll be back at the, at the table, okay? Uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, about 500 people. So everybody knew everybody. Uh, we were a family of nine seven kids. My dad was a tractor mechanic, uh, didn't make a lot of money. And uh, I considered us the poorest people in town, and we probably were. But there's a couple things I remember about my parents, even though my dad died 28 years ago and my mom died 12 years ago. There's probably hardly a day that goes by I don't benefit from the legacy they left. One thing I remember very clearly is my dad, when he'd get his paycheck, he would write out the first check to Temple Baptist Church. And it was 10% of whatever he made. I remember he made 500 and some dollars a month. And I remember him writing checks for like $51.23 or something like that. Exactly 10%. It bothered me as a kid. I, I was upset because there were things I knew we could buy with that money. And I thought, why are you wasting it, giving it to the church? And, you know, I had all those arguments. But I remember... And he modeled that for me, that that is first. The other thing I remember is them reaching out to people poorer than we were. And it just happened to be in this little Iowa community. There were Mexican migrant workers that would come up from Texas annually and work in the potato farm. 
and they would uh, be doing the manual labor there, and, and uh, they lived in this, uh, really it looked like an abandoned farm, and they lived in the chicken coop, and they lived in the, where, where every, you know, the animals had lived, and there was no electricity. And as a little kid, I can remember this very vividly. On Sunday afternoons, my family would go out there and visit them. And we'd bring food. We'd bring things out of the garden. We would um, spend time with them. And my parents wanted to show the love of Christ to, to that community. And it was amazing because uh, I, I remember they ordered uh, Spanish New Testaments. But it didn't work well because most of the people did not read. And then my dad came up with this idea, and, and I still have this image of this plastic record player. Now, do you guys know what records are? Okay, all right. Uh, it was this vinyl thing. It was this, uh, yeah. And, and the small ones were called 45s, and I think it was because they went 45 rounds per minute or something like that. So anyway, uh, he found this plastic blue and yellow record player that was spring-loaded, and you'd wind it up, and somehow it would play, and you could understand it. And he bought the Gospel of John in Spanish, these little 45s. And I remember them taking it out there and playing it for our friends. That is so awesome. And you know, none of us forgot that. My six siblings all are involved in caring for people in some level, uh, whether it's ministry or involved in volunteering for this or that, and, and it's brought us around the world. My sister Rachel, some of you know, is the head of Hope for Women. Sponsoring widows. I mean, it's just a uh, dress a girl program that's been in 40 some countries around the world. I mean, we all give credit that our parents modeled this. Now, what I'm saying is, as you've been challenged to be generous and giving above uh, what you've given before in, in volunteering, in, in loving people, in investing in people, in giving financially, is that we have the opportunity to leave a legacy for our children, for our grandchildren and, and the young people here and, and people who are watching us. And to me, that's huge because you want to be able to have an impact, obviously, where you're directing your focus, but the fact that those people around you are watching you and will someday say, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like she is. You know... There's nothing more gratifying than knowing that you've left a legacy. You know, when my parents uh, died, uh, they didn't leave us anything at all as far as, you know, wealth. I think when we sold the house and paid bills, we all got like $600, <laughs> you know. But that's not what we remember. What we remember is what they left us in this legacy, in this example, in this, in this modeling for us that the poor matter, that people without uh, uh, are, are, should be cared for, that we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And to me, that's, that's what this is all about. And so when I think of the opportunity we have to impact our world, whether it's in our school or in our place of work or neighborhood or city or world, uh, there's, there's got to be a foundation to it. And what I often say is that um, whatever we do, we want to make sure that there's a biblical foundation to it. 
And just a few scriptures that I often look at, Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor also will cry out and not be answered. That's strong words. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Something that really bothers me is when I see people mocking the poor. Or when I see people taking advantage of the poor. And you have to understand, when I say poor, uh, the majority of my time is spent with the poorest of the poor. That make about a dollar a day. That uh, really do not have the basics of life. Access to clean water. Access to medicine, access to basic education. And that's how we're responding. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what they've done. The generous, uh, uh, Proverbs 22, 9 says, the generous will themselves be blessed. And that resonates with Americans. We get something out of this, right? For they share their food with the poor. Let me quickly just show you a few pictures uh, of the impact you're making in the world. First of all, let's look at this first picture. It's kind of a cool picture. That's me. Uh, Yeah. Too bad the hat's hiding how big the hair is. Uh, It was big. I've got other pictures. It's pretty much out here. And uh, I had a guy say to me, he was from Montana. I used to stay with him, and he just couldn't figure out how, as a Christian young man, I would have this hippie-like hair. And uh, one day, we came home from church, we were having lunch, and he said, you know, I figured it out today. Uh, This isn't the first time God has spoken out of a bush. So anyway, uh, (laughs) so anyway, let's, uh, I had to laugh, otherwise I'm just standing here and cry. So uh, I was actually, uh, let me back up a second to that last slide and tell you how this got started. I was in Bible uh, school, and I read a book called God's Smuggler, and it really got to me. Uh, This guy would drive up, Brother Andrew was his name, he'd drive up to the border, and uh, like in Eastern Europe or the Soviet Union, which Russia and all of that, and and, uh, he would say a prayer, Lord, when you saw blind people, you made them see. Now when you see seeing guards, make them blind. And they'd look into his little Volkswagen bug and not see a suitcase filled with Bibles in the back. And I thought, cool. I want to do that. Something illegal for God. And that, that's how spiritual it was. I just thought, oh, that's me. You know, I, I've always been a biker and, and uh, uh, liked being on the street down in Los Angeles and, and witnessing the biker gangs and different things. And that was always... I, I was just cut out differently than others. Uh, and I knew I could never be a, a, a pastor in a church. You know, it wasn't dangerous enough. I, you, you know, well, you're probably, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, but uh, this really got to me. So a friend and I, we took off for, for Moscow in 1973, summer of 73, uh, uh, at, at the conclusion of Bible college, and, and uh, we smuggled Bibles. And, you know, we drove this van up to the Finnish-Russian border, and we 
watched ahead of us as guards were coming and putting the people up against their car, which was the most obvious place. We'd stuck these Bibles down in our pants and wore like loose shirts and stuff. And, and they got in front of us and they frisked the people. They emptied their cars out. They went through them. They got to us. They said, get out of your car. We got out. We stood there. They got in my van, started tearing it apart. I've got pictures of what they, they, they had no intention of repairing it, ripping the ceiling and putting wires up in the ceiling. There was an oil pit thing. They walked underneath the car to see if we'd concealed anything there. Even put a, a periscope type thing down in the gas tank to see if we'd concealed anything there. About an hour and a half later, they waved us on. Now, what's amazing about this is the odds are they're going to frisk us. It's the most obvious place you're carrying drugs or whatever they're looking for, and we were not touched by them. My friend and I, we re-met about two years ago at a reunion, and we said, you know, we didn't talk for like three hours. We were in such awe of what had just happened. I mean, it's one thing to say, I've got faith, I'm going to take this risk, I'm going to go smuggle Bibles, I'm going to you know, lay my life on the line, and then you get there and you go, whoa, what just happened? See, there's no way to excuse that or say, oh, that was lucky for us or whatever. And I did that for years. I've story after story of opening other suitcases, not opening mine. Of the guard being distracted and we walked in. I mean, just story after story. I mean, time after time that you can just see God's hand. He was protecting his word. And then once I met the believers, I was telling a group of people last night, I said, um, that when, when I met this young girl, she was 14 years old, she came up to me on the street of Moscow and said, I must speak but cannot talk here. Meet me down and to the left. And later, making sure nobody followed us, we went down the street in this park and met this girl that would change my life. She had refused to join the Young Pioneers, which was a young communist party. 98% of the kids belonged. You wore a uniform. Imagine being the only kid in the school without the uniform. You're going to be mocked. They mocked her. They made her stand up in front of the class and, and ask her why she was not a member of the pioneer. She said, I said, it's because I believe in God. They beat her. She lost her little brother. He was taken away to be educated differently than what they were doing. She lost her mother. She was taken to a, to a, a labor camp. Yet here's this father and, her, and his daughter. They're living this life saying all that matters is, is living for Jesus. And they used, she used to play guitar and sing and, and worship, and they'd do it quietly so the neighbors wouldn't hear. I mean, I learned so much from people like that that were ready to lay their life on the line. And I said, God, I want to be a part of this. I, I, I don't think it's right that I sit in America with all this freedom and all of this that I've been given and not think about those who are persecuted on your behalf. So we started bringing Bibles and blankets for those who were in prison and food and medicine and all of this. And it just developed into helping the orphans in Romania and Eastern Europe. And then 10 years ago, I was exposed to Uganda and the need that was there. And they said to me, 52% of the children are dying before the fifth birthday. See, as a believer, I can't just walk away and say it's not, not my business. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're people that, that God values, that people that when they were in their mother's womb, God saw them and had a plan for their life. And is it fair that I have access to all of this and they don't have the access to the, to the basics? And that's why I'm here to say thank you to Northgate. 
Because many of you have walked for water, and sometimes it's fun, and it's all of that, and I'm, I'm glad it is all that, and that's one of the ways that we raise money. But I'm telling you, when you bring water to a village, let me show you a couple pictures here, and these are your wells. These are, th- that's, uh, let's go to the next one. Um, when you sponsor a child, these are two, two that I first sponsored, uh, Sophia and Beatrice. And they were young teenagers when I met them. Now, 10 years later, they both graduated from University of Macari University in Kampala. They both have really good jobs. Both of them are entrepreneurs. And they will never know the cycle of poverty they knew before. And if you sponsor a child, I'm telling you, we're committed to them. As long as they'll be educated, we'll take them all the way through. And the difference we're seeing in the lives of these kids, and some of you've, you, you've already shared, and, and, and you, you've seen them face to face. But the, the water, let me go by this too. I, uh, uh, the water that we bring to these people in Uganda and, and Eastern uh, Africa, this is the typical well. Because where we're drilling, there's no electricity. We go 150 to 300 feet deep for safe water. And we have a committee that oversees it. We have people on the ground uh, that make sure that the right pipes were put into the ground, that the right depth, all of that. And what's amazing about this is when we uh, brought your four wells that you walked for, I can tell you, you can wait 10 years if you want to, 15, 20, 30 years, and go there and find those wells functioning because of the system we've got in place. And I'm not interested in counting wells or whatever. I'm interested in, is it working today? Is it bringing water? And we have a system that really does that. And here are, are two of your uh, villages. You know, there's up to 5,000 people. Maybe you know the specifics. It might have even been more in those villages. will be benefiting from that water. And when you think of that impact, not just for now, but years to come. This is a good example. This picture really gets to me because those are, look at, those are children getting water out of that. And when my little, little daughter, you saw in an earlier picture there, two years ago when she was eight, saw that uh, kind of polluted water, she put her hand over her mouth. And I said, Sophia, why did you put your hand over your mouth? She said, Daddy, it was the only way I could keep from bursting out loud crying. Nobody should drink this kind of water. And I see kids, I met a couple kids today that have collected nickels that are a part of this. We have a program called Lemonators that has a cartoon lemon guy and they're selling lemonade now and and doing all kinds of things. And I just want to say, to me, that's the legacy we want to leave. That kids are taking up this cause, that they're realizing, hey, there's kids that don't have water and we've turn it on and we have drinking water and all of that and we have the bottles and all of that but what about these people that are drinking out of that and so thank you for for doing that and we uh uh this is another one of the villages makata and this is when we were just well casting after we drilled and we put that in and and the pump goes on on top of that that pipe there so um thank you for doing that And to me, that's what it's all about when you talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, I have preached in stadiums around the world where there have been tens of thousands of people. I have seen thousands of people come forward to receive Christ. That is awesome. But I'm telling you, in the strategy we have now of bringing the basics of life to kids, whether it's a feeding program, whether we can hand a, a... plate of food to a child and whisper unto you, Jesus, 
or whether we're training them or, or, or um, bringing water or whatever, when we, I love the well dedications. Uh, they don't say, thank you, Tom. They don't say, thank you, Hope for Kids. It's like God has answered our prayer. And we just got home a week ago from our, our November trip, and uh, I was in a well dedication that was really special to me because I had found children at that source last July. And it, I was going to say it takes a lot to move me, but it, it doesn't. I cry a lot. But this really got to me because it was little kids, and I saw how filthy that water was. And the cattle were there, and all of that manure was going in there, and I knew they were dying because of it. And I actually put it on Facebook last July, and some of you even responded uh, to that. And I had a gentleman that sponsored that well. So we were, we were dedicating that well. Nayafumba is the name of the village. And uh, I asked the crowd, and I'm talking a crowd, right? You get hundreds of people to come out to watch these well dedications. And I said, how many of you were praying for safe water? And maybe two-thirds of the people put their hands up. And I said, well, God has answered your prayer. They know. And one guy said to me in one of the villages, he said, how did God find us in this small village out here? I like to think that we become the answer to somebody's prayer. And my commitment is that wherever I go, uh, whatever I say, I hope that it inspires somebody to do something in response to the need in the world. Uh, Sometimes I, I think we're ambassadors of the poorest of the poor. You know, when you come back, some of you have been with us, and you come back and you tell that personal story. I, I saw these kids drinking this filthy water. Let's do something about it. You become an ambassador for the poorest of the poor. Uh, my desire is to, as long as I have breath, uh, I can be uh, leaving a legacy. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, I uh, uh, hope I live a long life. I don't know if I will. Uh, I've been told my stage four cancer is going to shorten my life. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I just finished uh, another series of treatment of uh, uh, October 16th. Uh, this is a good time for me. I'm going to feel pretty good here for another 12 to 18 months, and I'm looking forward to living life to its fullest. It isn't easy when you've been used to running 100 miles an hour to, you know, uh, not be able to. But one of the things that I've been doing the last couple years, and thank you for praying. I know many of you pray, and I, I, I know that's my, my hope. Uh, I've had Africans pray for me. Uh, 
Cubans, people all around the world uh, that have more faith than I would ever have. And uh, I, uh, uh, I'm hoping that I outlive the odds. You know, and I think I've got a really good shot at it. Uh, with, uh, yeah. Uh, Uh, but, you know, when you, uh, for many of us, we, we just think we're going to live forever. And when you get some diagnosis that tells you you might not, uh, you really are grateful for everything. And uh, one of the things I've tried to do the last couple of years is multiply myself. I don't want uh, to be the face of Hope for Kids. We've broadened the net. That's why I'm thanking you. Because many of you have become the face of Hope for Kids to your friends and people in the community and all of that. And and if I wasn't in the picture here, uh, it would still go on. And I don't want it just to survive. I, I want it to thrive. And I want it to be more than I ever dreamed it would be. When I think of my parents and what they were trying to do with their simple lives and the impact they had... Uh, it didn't just impact the siblings, but it impacted generations to come. A few weeks ago, uh, my great-nephew, my parents' great-grandchild, Matthew, came with me from Iowa, from my hometown community. He'd never been on an airplane before. And I really blew it because we're flying out of Minneapolis, heading over to Amsterdam, and we hit some pretty good turbulence. And he turned to me and he said, is this normal? And I said, yes. I shouldn't have. I just said, no, we're going down. You know, all that stuff. But anyway, I still like doing stuff like that. But anyway, uh, wow. To watch my nephew be with me at the original sources of these wells. To watch him feed the Karamojong kids that precious food that we feed them every day. Uh, to watch him at a... a a special needs school that was sponsored by a family from, from here. Uh, wow. My parents' great-grandchild was in Africa. And you have no idea the legacy we can leave, the impact we can have. And if, if my parents wouldn't have modeled that, what would have happened to me or my siblings or all the way down or the thousands of people that are involved with Hope for Kids now. It, it's because of a simple couple that gave their life to Christ and wanted to show the love of Jesus. So let me close by just giving you that challenge. What are you going to do with all this? Well, I always say, just pray and say, God, how do you want me to respond? You know what's interesting? It's different for all of us. It might be giving up something. It might be adding something. It might be uh, giving out of scarcity instead of out of leftovers, like, like I gave the example of my parents. It might be downsizing this or getting rid of that or selling this or whatever. But whatever it is, be faithful to do it. And know it's not just between you and God, but it has the opportunity to show others. Leave a legacy with your children, your grandchildren, your friends, uh, people all around you. What an impact we can make. And then who knows? You know, when you guys are the age of me, uh, 
that, well, anyway, I was going to say something, but I won't. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and you've got kids and grandchildren. You know, it might, you might tell a story. I, I remember at Northgate, this cool church that cared about helping people. Every week, they gave a dollar per person. Or they gathered up Thanksgiving baskets. Or they went clear to Africa and helped people. They walked for water. And who knows what your children and grandchildren will be thinking of then. You know, putting their little jet packs on and flying around and, you know, who knows, you know. But whoa, I hope that when you get to that age that everybody will have access to clean water. That everybody has a shot at life. We can do it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.